have some unfortunate, tragic, and honestly just shocking news to report. Um, word has broken that the upcoming X-Men Dark Phoenix will in fact not be a very good movie. Um, I, I don't know what to say about this. James, uh, I, I didn't want to start off season three with something so so just utterly unbelievable um, to witness but what, what do you think about this I, I think it's kind of on par with how the series has been going yeah yeah me too <laughs> I don't know who who in this world would ever be surprised that oh my god the new X-Men movie is, is not going to be very good um, yeah so that was a headline. Um, yeah. Apparently, I I was stunned. Absolutely. Uh, I remember exactly where I was the day I read that Dark Phoenix was getting bad reviews. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! That movie's gonna be an absolute shit show. Oh my god! Yes. Oh, uh, we should we should get. We should get t-shirts made. I don't know what we put on them, but we should get, like, decked out in in just, I don't know. I don't know, Boy George t-shirts? I don't know what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you want to do, but we think, I think uh, opening night, we, sh- we should be there. We should do, like a, like, a mystery science theater at the premiere. Man, we can. I, I'm on board for that. <laughs> that seems about right, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, season three of Jedi Dropouts. Welcome, welcome to the third season. We actually managed to last this long. No one saw it coming. Uh, <laughs> um, as always, I'm here with my. Uh, I didn't prepare anything for that. I didn't think of anything. Um, I'm here with my co-host with the co-most. That's terrible. That's nothing. Uh, I'm here with James Moss, as always. That's me. (laughs) It sure is. Um, Fuck, it's always weird when you come back after a break because you're like, shit, I haven't done this in so long. I'm not used to talking. Not used to using my 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 mouth for words anymore. Yeah, I've been since we recorded our season two finale. I have been sitting in silence. I've been undergoing a, a Buddhist monk, um, just absolute silence ever since. Yeah, I took a vow of silence once. Yeah, how'd that go for you? Not very well. Mm-mm. I stubbed my toe on the coffee table, and it was just done. <laughs> it lasted all of six minutes, right? Exactly. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we're going to get into uh, capping off 2018. I know it's like a month into 2019, but uh, we got to talk about the best of 2018. we got a bunch of different categories we want to talk about. It's all pop culture. We're not going to get into politics or anything that actually matters in the world um but uh you know 
we we got our top ten movies just like we did last year. We got a bunch of different categories to get into, and of course, we have the Jedi Dropouts mailbag. Yeah. Uh, so we got like you said, I believe on the last episode we got three questions left in the mailbag or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So let's let's finish off the mailbag and then we'll put a a call out to the world for more questions. We'll get that mailbag filled back up. And uh, yeah. Let's let's do this. Let's do. Let's finish off the last of the Atlanticon uh, mailbag questions, I suppose. Uh, reach down and fetch the box. The cardboard bag. It's not a box. Cardboard bag. Rectangular cardboard bag. <laughs> it's a. It's a cornered bag, perhaps even. Just after you said we're not going to get into politics. Oh, fucking Christ. Really? Okay. This question comes from Kevin. Yep. It says, why are Harry and Marv... (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. Um, Why does hashtag Comicsgate hate Rey, R-E-Y, so I'm assuming Rey from Star Wars, Oh yeah. so much when she is... Just as relevant to today's gender-focused society versus Leia and the oppressive standards of the time. I'm not too well-read on the the specifically comics gate, but I assume it's just um, the toxic fanboys that hate anything in any way to do with equality and, and just... Like, I'm I'm guessing, uh, they hate Rey because, my God, a, a female Jedi, uh, what a terrible thing, right? Yeah. Like female protagonist. Yeah. And like, I it's I feel like um like yes we do have a long way to come, but even in video games as of late, like there've been a lot more uh, female protagonists female characters that you play as and it's great uh it's fantastic but i also don't understand why people are are getting up in arms about it at all because it doesn't change the mechanics of the game it doesn't change the core game in any way it is literally the only difference is being that you have something for your shitty self to complain about that's it yeah I don't I don't know what the the issue is. Exactly. I mean like okay, personally I like playing as characters I can relate to. Okay. Right? Yeah. But that's not just a gender thing like okay, take a Resident Evil 6 for example. Yeah. There's three storylines in that game. You can play as like there's the Leon story, there's the Chris Redfield story, and then there's the Jake Wesker story. Or okay. Jake Mueller. Okay. Whatever his name is. Yeah. When given the option, I chose the Leon story over the Chris story. Because Leon is a more lean-framed blonde guy. And Chris is more of and, like, Leon does, like, more agile shit. 
Okay, yeah. And I saw that being a bit more relatable to myself, so I leaned towards Leon more than Chris. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I could understand wanting to relate to characters that way, but that doesn't mean every fucking character has to be relatable to you. But the thing is, too, you might feel that way, and and many of these fanboys might make that kind of argument, but they shouldn't be the only ones that get that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they have this wide pool of characters to pick from. Yeah, exactly. And... And not just not just women, uh, people of different uh, races and and nationalities should should also get this. They should get to see themselves on screen in game. Uh, they should get to feel that kind of representation. And yeah, I don't know. I, I especially in in a a movie series like Star Wars where. There's so many characters to latch yourself onto if that is what you want to do. Like, why get so shitty about one being there? Right? It's... I don't know. I don't know. Some people just... They, they're not happy if they're not complaining about something. I think that's what a lot of it comes down to. And 100%. It's just this contrarian culture. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Uh, that was a good question, and I'm pretty sure I know who Kevin is. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, I might have to give him a message when we put this episode up. Alright. see what else we got. Next one comes from Violet Cummings. Uh, and she has FB there, so I'm assuming we could reach her on Facebook okay. to let her know we have answered her question. Cool. Are we, are we getting into more politics? Is, is she asking about the Cuban Missile Crisis? or Worse. Worse? Very, very political. Okay. Rate pizza from 1 to 10. 10 being fabulous. Yes, fabulicious. Oh, that's good. Yep. And 1 being just you. So just pizza as a whole. Pizza as a whole. Hmm. That's hard. Um. I have something I, I should get off my chest. Something I need to admit. Um. I, I come across as someone who, uh, is a co-host of a podcast that uses a pizza slice as the logo. And we rate movies and, and games on, on the good pizza scale. I've kind of fallen out of love with pizza a little bit. Like, uh, I think maybe it's because I've eaten too damn much of it in my life. Um, I, I've had some bad spurts where I ate, like, way too much pizza. And it's not to say that I don't like it anymore, but I don't look forward to eating it like I used to. Um, I think mainly because I'm just, like, I'm looking at pizza and I'm just kind of reminding myself of times where I ate too much and got a little bit sick on it. That's fair. Um, and that being said, that being said, I'm living in Porta Bass where you can't really get good pizza as well. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not the greatest no. pizza. 
here. Um, but I'm not going to let my bias uh, talk about pizza as a whole. And I think as far as foods go, uh, uh, I'm going to want, fuck it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with like a nine. I'm going to go with a nine. I think pizza is up there. Uh, it's, it. I, I feel like pizza can be a lot of different things depending on the toppings, depending on the way you make it. I mean, even just the dough styles and the, and the types of sauce you can put on a pizza, you can you can change pizza in so many different ways. It can be so many different types of meals. Um, yeah, I, I, I go with a nine. Not quite fabulous, but pretty fucking close. See, for me, it's it all varies from place to place. Mm. From place to place, like yeah. Oh. Uh, like if we're talking like cat pig, then I'm I'm gonna say like ten, easy. Yeah, yeah. If we're saying like Luigi's, I'm gonna give a different answer. If we're talking Z's, that's a different answer. If we're talking hell, even to go from like. Greco in Port of Ass to Greco here in Cornerbrook. It's all going to be different answers. So, yeah, pizza as a whole, just pizza as a whole. It's it's a it's one of the biggest questions I've ever had to answer. <laughs> yeah, um, question bigger than time really itself. Though. Um, I'm going to just give a rating for my favorite pizza and that's Cafe 59 in Pasadena with garlic, red peppers and mushrooms and I give that a solid, solid 10 yeah that is fair and that is what I'm going to use for my answer for this. Mm. Yeah, good call. Um, my favorite pizzas being... Luigi's is probably my all-time favorite. Um, the time that I had Cafe 59 with you, I thought it was great. Uh, I'd, lo- I'd love to have more of that at some point. And specifically, I really enjoy... A thin crust uh, Domino's pizza with ham, bacon, banana peppers, and extra pizza sauce. Nice. Yeah, I've eaten far too many of those myself. Yep. Okay, that's a good question. I enjoyed that. And for our last question here... We got politics. We got pizza. What else we got? We got a question from Ethan Way. And Ethan wants to know, how's it going? It's going pretty good, Ethan. That's a good fucking question. I, I like to cap that it as a that that was a good question <laughs> for either a starter or a finisher. Yeah, yeah. It, it's going pretty yeah. well. Uh I've been awake for maybe 50 minutes. We got to sleep in a bit this morning. 
uh, got up, had a bowl of Nesquik, and sat down to record. It's going pretty well. See, that's where you and I differ. You slept in, I got up early. Um, yeah. <laughs> I went to bed early last night, and, like, early for me, like, I usually go to bed at 8 a.m. when I get off work. Yeah. I went to bed at 1 a.m., and around 7, I got up to get a drink. And the dog decided he was going to move over and kind of claim my spot as his own. Yep. And it was just warm in the room, and I just couldn't get back to sleep. So I've been up since, like, 7. So that's how it's going for me. Yeah, 7 is usually about the time that I get up in the morning, just out of habit at this point. Um, and because I have that luxury, I guess. But, I don't know, this morning it just wasn't happening. I, I was up for all of like 30 minutes and I'm like, nope, this ain't happening today. Back to bed. I feel that. But, yeah. Aside from being a little tired, I gotta say, it, it's going pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was a pretty good little mailbag segment. That, that uh, capped off the end of our Atlanticon mailbag. Um, we're going to be putting a post up soon uh, for more questions. It's going to be a free-for-all. And um, before we move on, uh, we're going to introduce a new segment um, where we ask a question back to the audience. Um, so we're going to we're going to pose a little question here. Uh, leave it up in the air. We're going to post that on Facebook and Instagram and so on. And then the next episode, we're going to compile all the answers and and just go through them a little bit. It's going to be fun. So. Uh, I have the first question for the audience here. Gonna tie into next week's, or not next week, but our next episode in about two weeks' time. Uh, and the question we have is What movie in 2019 are you most excited to watch? I like Which, that question. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna go into our own episode because me and you are gonna be talking about the movies that we're excited to watch in 2019. And, uh,. It's going to be cool to get some audience uh, input on that, because there might be some movies that we missed, right? Oh, God, yes. Okay, so on that note, it's time to get into our best of 2018. Um, now, one note, and I don't... <laughs> James, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, actually. Uh, oh, God. We should, uh, we should go completely spoiler-free on this for yeah. everything. Be it the movies, that. the TV shows, the the video games. Just because I feel like this should be like a uh, a guide. If someone is looking for recommendations on stuff they might have missed, you know, I don't want to spoil any of this for people who haven't experienced it yet themselves. I can do that. Yeah, let's go. Let's go spoiler free on this as much as we can. You know. Okay. Uh, so, 
first uh, sort of category or, or group of categories that I have here uh, is online media. I'm not really sure how to, how to categorize it, but um, YouTube, Twitch, podcast, that sort of thing. Sure. So, uh, I don't know which ones you have answers for. I've got answers for, yeah, I've, I've got answers for all three of those. Um do you have a uh, a best podcast of 2018 or anything like that? Uh, there were two podcasts that I listened to most um, in 2018. One was one that I downloaded, and the other one was one that um, Emily downloaded, and we'd end up listening to a lot on drives. Okay. Um. The first one, the one that I downloaded, is called Generation V. Alright, yeah. Um, it's a podcast centered around veganism, but the reason I got into it is the guy who hosts it, Nimai Delgado, is, like, he's one of the top-ranked vegan bodybuilders in the world. Like, he's a vegan guy who competes you know, as a pro bodybuilder with the best of the best. But, um, all of his guests are vegan and a lot of them are involved in fitness and stuff like that. And that's all fine and dandy. But what I really like about this podcast is he gets them to basically tell their whole life story. Like, how they got from, like, childhood to being a pro athlete at this, an elite athlete in that. And a lot of that I find really inspiring. Like, he had uh, John Joseph from the Cro-Mags on there, who is an Ironman triathlete. Okay. And John was telling all these stories about how, like, he was in and out of jail and, like running from like part of his life he was actually running from the FBI and at one point when he got out of jail he actually like went and lived in a Hare Krishna temple for a little bit and things like that and like how he became part of the Hare Krishna and like he goes all over the place from like fist fights and doing crack and ending up in jail to how he trains for Ironman triathlons and lived in a Hare Krishna temple and talks about like Rastafarianism and about how true Rastafarians don't eat meat. Okay. Which was something I didn't know before, but... I can't remember how, like, he explained why real Rastafarians don't eat meat. And it has something to do with, like, the life energy. Like, something about, like, if you're consuming the life energy from this other being, like, that's, like, I know they don't use the word karma for it, but it's essentially bad karma. Yeah. Yeah. Type thing. And, but, yeah, I just find it really just motivational hearing these stories about like how a guy from like 
small towns or inner cities like got involved with like Olympic lifting through like this high school coach and went on to become a three-time Olympian. Nice. Yeah. So I've been listening to that because I find that really just inspirational, motivational. And aside from that, um, Emily plays a lot of RuPaul's podcast in the car. The one that RuPaul does with Michelle Visage. Uh, What's the T, I think it's called. Okay. And for the most part, like, I think there was only one episode of that I listened to that I wasn't really, like, too fussy on. But other than that, like, I'll get in the car and just Emily being Emily is just like, you know, we don't have to listen to this. We could turn something else on if you want. It's like, no, like, I, I'm enjoying listening to this. Yeah. Yeah, like, it, at the same time, like, you get a lot of people's life stories and backstories and stuff like that, and... Yeah. So there's my two favorite podcasts of the year. Generation V with Nimai Delgado and I think it's What's the T? I believe that's what it's called. Nice. What's the... Good stuff. T. Yeah. What's the T? But it's spelled T-E-E. Okay. Yeah, and that's RuPaul's oh, okay, gotcha. yeah. uh, podcast. And, yeah, I've been enjoying that. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I have three, but two I'm, I don't have much to say about, really. Um, two of them are just my favorite podcasts in general, uh, even before 2018. One you've definitely heard me mention on, on this podcast quite a few times. The Wizard and the Bruiser is my fucking favorite. Uh, I got a Wizard and the Bruiser t-shirt for Christmas. Uh, and if you haven't heard me talk about Wizard and the Bruiser before, it's a comedic history lesson in a geek topic every episode. So, like, uh, recently they did episodes on Wolverine and Katamari Damacy, which... Uh, are actually two episodes I haven't got around to listening to yet, but they're very funny, absolutely hilarious. They both have history, like uh, history in uh, stand-up comedy, and are like trained comedians. Uh, but they do they do so much research in each of their topics. Like it is a full-on history lesson from the ground up about how this thing that you love came to be. So, basically, what you're saying is it's the complete opposite of what we do. Exactly. Complete opposite. Which is why we exist. We're we're an untapped market. If you want to know nothing about the thing you love, then come to Jedi Dropouts, right? And the other podcast, the the only two podcasts that I keep up with like on an episode-to-episode basis are Wizard and the Bruiser and Puck Soup. Puck Soup being uh, a hockey pop culture comedy podcast, which is a really niche market, um, hosted uh, up until recently. It was hosted by Greg Wyshynski and Dave Lozo. Uh, Dave Lozo had to leave the podcast due to burnout issues, 
because uh, he's working full time with ESPN now, and the podcast they it got filled in with two other guys, uh, Sean Lambert and Sean McIndoe. Or sorry, not Sean Lambert, uh, Ryan Lambert and Sean McIndoe, um, which are two guys that I've been a fan of as well. I'm big on the hockey writers, and I love I love it when someone can talk about this dumb, crazy sport that I love, but be funny and interesting and maybe even a little bit nerdy while doing it, and they do such a good job with it. Uh so I've like since I started listening to Puck Soup back in I want to say 2016, I have not missed an episode. Every week, I listen. Wow! It, it like they're just the fucking best. I look forward to every episode of Puck Soup. Um, and the only other one I want to mention is the the podcast that I started listening to in 2018. Uh, it actually just started in 2018. Um. And it was recommended to me by friend and listener of the podcast, Matt Pike. Uh, it's called Disgraceland. And I don't know if I've, I feel like I might have mentioned this one to you before. But Disgraceland is so fucking good. It is um, a sort of dramatic retelling of events in music history that are uh, violent or, or crime-filled or just like depraved it, it just talks about like it's almost like a true crime podcast but it's all about the the music industry so like there's an episode on the life of Gigi Allen there's an episode on uh, the time that Nikki Six basically died um, uh, the the crazy mafia ties of Frank Sinatra and so on right like it's Really, really well done. Um, excellent production value, and I, it's a really entertaining podcast. It's really gripping, um, and uh, yeah, that's the that would be my favorite new podcast of 2018. And the other two are just my all time go tos. See, nice. So yeah, uh, let's move on to Twitch. Uh, I feel like you have more to say in this department than me. You watch more Twitch than I do, for the most part, I think. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, let's go back and forth, then. I'll I'll, uh, I'll start this one. Um, there's only one Twitch streamer I really tune into as a fan. Like, I've, I've tuned into friends. I'm flattered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of friends that... that stream that I'll you know I'll go on to hang out and to chat and so on but yep. um, the only one that I go into as a fan to bring it back to Wizard and the Bruiser is the co-host of that podcast uh, Holden McNeely um, he is a full-time Twitch streamer he has like four or five regular streams that he does a week and it's not just like he hops on and plays the same game he has different types of series like uh he has one called cocktails i i'm just i'm just excited that his name is holden mcneely yeah right uh holden mcneil banky edwards yeah i know i know very close <laughs> yeah um and uh he does this like uh there's a series called uh cocktails where his bartender friend 
makes a drink and they have drinks together and they hang out with the people in the Twitch chat and it's kind of like here's what we're drinking tonight here's how you make it um and there's um like he he has a a series that's based around really hard games like Dark Souls and and Bloodborne uh and so on right like it, he he makes it almost like a like a like a variety show um and he's very funny uh a few times i've hopped on when he was streaming jackbox party pack and he just like shows the the room code online if anyone wants to come in and join and play and i've played a few times that's fun um nice yeah it's pretty cool um very funny guy great twitch stream uh oh his twitch handle is Holdenator's Ho, uh, which stems from a another podcast he's on. Actually, you know what? A, a side tangent for one second. Uh, he was on another podcast that is kind of ended at this point uh, that I was a fan of called Roundtable of Gentlemen. Uh, very, very funny show. And tragically... Uh, just recently, one of the original hosts of that show passed away at the age of 32. Uh, wow. Yeah, Kevin Barnett. Uh, very, very funny, uh, genuinely hilarious comedian. Um, died of complications of pancreatitis, and it's tragic. And it it sucks because... Uh, I mean, well, it's a tragic loss, but it sucks hearing all of my favorite podcasters just be absolutely destroyed by the loss of a friend. And um, yeah, I just I, I want to mention him there real quick. Um, so R.I.P. Kevin Burnett, A.K.A. Bird Luger. Uh, if you know who that is or, or what that means. Um, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> To bring it back around, yeah, that, that, that would be my favorite uh, Twitch streamer of 2018. Cool. Um, well, if we're talking Twitch streamers, I got to give a shout out to Shane Decker. What at SD? Yes. Um, Shane's been great all year. Um, another friend of mine that I've been tuning into is Spazzy Jeff. Yeah. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, let's see, uh, people that aren't friends of mine that I've been tuning in to watch, um, I've subscribed to all of the, uh, speed gaming. Oh, nice. Channels. Yep. Because love me some speed runs and races. Uh, let's see. Ace Trainer Liam is a... He's a predominantly Pokemon. He's a he's a Poketuber and a Twitch partner. He mostly plays Pokemon on Twitch, but he also plays like Smash and Metal Gear Solid and stuff like that. Good stuff. Yeah. Um... Some of the Zelda runners and uh, Mega Man runners that I've been watching. Uh, Colonel Fatso is one. That's a great name. I know. That's a fucking great um, name. Walrus Prime. 
And uh, there's Andy, who does a lot of Zelda. There's um, Christos Owen, who also does Zelda, who's also one of the people who did the coding for the Zelda randomizer that I play. Oh, nice. And for Super Metroid, uh, one of the guys I follow is Oats and Goats. Oats and Goats. Yep. It's good. I like these names. <laughs> yeah. So there's most of the guys I follow on Twitch. Good stuff. Yeah. And I guess uh, to finish it off, we'll go with uh, YouTuber or even YouTube video. I don't know. Um, YouTube channel. YouTube channel. Yeah. Okay. Did you want to take this one first or me? Yeah, this was a very, very easy decision for me. Uh, usually... It's Good Mythical Morning. Uh, I'm a big Good Mythical Morning fan. I keep up with them pretty regularly. But a certain channel um, has become my absolute favorite over the course of this year. Uh, and that would be Binging with Babish. Um, I haven't watched Binging with Babish, but I've seen um, different people talk about it. Oh, he's so good, man. He's so good. Um, I, I bought his cookbook recently and I've actually been using it. It's so good. Um, so if you're not familiar with binging with Babish, uh, Andrew Ray, I'm not sure to pronounce his last name. It's Rhea, R-E-A. Um, he goes by binging with Babish on YouTube and he's a self-taught cook. He's an excellent cook. Uh, and he makes, uh, recipes of food from movies, TV shows, video games, and so on. Um, James, I would highly recommend you check out the video where he made food from Zelda Breath of the Wild, and it looks Ooh. fucking spot on. Um, I found him because he made a burger from Bob's Burgers, of course, and I thought that was fun. I had to check it out, and I have seen so many of his videos, and like I said, I bought his cookbook, and he's, he's not just a good cook, but he brings um, a great production quality to his channel. He's very informative in terms of, like, uh, this is what you should use. This is why you should use it. And if you can't, here's a good substitute and so on, right? Um, and he's funny. He's a genuinely, like, he's a pretty good comedian in, in that respect. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, I watch... I watch Binging with Babish more days than I don't at this point. Even when I'm not looking to cook anything, I just it just it's a very soothing thing to turn on. It's very got, got a very soothing aesthetic to it. Um, what about you? Um, YouTube lately, I've been watching. Well, I watch uh, Ace Trainer Liam just about every day. Because uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday, he does a playthrough of whatever Pokemon randomizer he's currently doing. Cool. Uh, Tuesdays, he does... I could have Tuesdays and Thursdays mixed up. But I believe Tuesday is his form fights, which is where he takes a Pokemon that has, like, another form or a counterpart Pokemon. Okay. 
and he compares their stats and talks about, like, you know, he basically compares the two forms, and then he just does a metronome battle between them just for fun. To see who would who just wins this one-off metronome battle. Okay. Um, and Thursdays, he does other metronome battles, but these ones are called Metromania. And basically, he does a 16-bracket metronome tournament where it's best two out of three moves on. Nice. And he's on season three of that right now. Uh, so I watch Ace Trainer Liam. Me and Emily watch that almost every day. I do watch Philip DeFranco's news shows. Of course, yep. Um, again, I watch speed gaming, speed runs, and I follow the um, speed demos archives and stuff like that for like AGDQ playthroughs and things like that. Uh... I only recently started watching The Completionist. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I've been getting really into those videos, too. Um, I'd say that those are the big ones, though. Good stuff. Yeah, I'd say yeah. that those are all my biggest watches right now. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, uh, so that is the last of that uh, group, I guess, of categories. Um, you want to talk about music a little bit? We don't talk about music nearly enough on this podcast. No, we don't. Um, so I got some picks here for best album, best song. I don't know what what you did there on your end. Um... I didn't really pick anything for music. No? Okay. That's No. That's fine. Um I we can I can quickly get through my my side of it there and we'll move right along to the next category. Um I just want to shout out uh for albums, Janelle Monet's Dirty Computer was probably my favorite album of the year. Although it's got really stiff competition in two specific Marvel soundtracks, those being the Black Panther and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack. Um, yes. I, like, uh, we'll talk, I'm sure it'll come up later, but um, after seeing Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I downloaded the album, and on the drive back from Cornerbrook, I mean, it's not a very long album, but we listened to that album, I think, four or five times just straight because it's just so good um and yeah i i don't know i'm not sure exactly which one i would call the best album of the year but uh i think dirty computer was the one that i listened to the most for the longest um she's got some really good like prince sounding vibes on there at times and, and she's just a very talented musician best song was an absolute no-brainer no competition at all. Childish Gambino, This Is America. Also the best music video of the year. A music video so good that I considered putting it in my top 10 movies at one point. Because it's just that fucking good. It has it, it has just as much of a 
deep underlying meaning, just as good cinematography. It is just as well shot and just as well written as most movies. And I will argue that uh, to no end. Um, and yeah, that's like if I feel like if Childish Gambino released his new album in 2018, that would probably be my album of the year. And when he does release it, it's probably going to be my album of the year now in the coming year. Um, and that's really it for music. A lot of the music that I listened to this year was not new. Wasn't recent. Yeah. 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 I I, I didn't listen to much new music at all. No, like I, I listened to a little bit, but not a not a lot. Andrew WK had a pretty good new album. I enjoyed that one. I, I got on a bit of an Andrew WK kick uh, last spring, and I checked out his new album, and it was fun. Um, so we're good to move on to the next category. Let's do it. Okay, next we're going to do a little bit of literature here. Um, if you have some picks for best comic slash graphic novel or best book of 2018... Uh, yeah, my pick for the best, um, I know I bought it as a graphic novel collection, but I know it didn't start in 2018, but that's when I read it, and that's when I bought it, is uh, Dark Knight's Metal. Okay, but it did wrap up in 2018, right, I believe? Yes. Okay, well, that counts, totally counts. Totally counts. I still haven't read it. Um, I I recommend it. The one issue I have with it, issue, <laughs> comic, humor, puns. Uh. Um, <laughs> the one issue I have with it is just everything is so Batman-centered. Of course, yeah. In DC Universe. And it's just like, oh, here's these creatures like here's these like amalgamations of batman and other heroes from different like dark universes like there's a batman doomsday there's a batman wonder woman there's a batman green lantern there's a batman flash and they're just beating down everyone of like Superman's going down, Wonder Woman's going down, and who saves the day is Batman. Yeah. Batman saves the day from a bunch of superpowered bat clones who are serving a god who apparently put events in motion to make Batman become Batman. And this god even kind of looks like Batman. And it's just like I like Batman. I like Batman a lot, but like, I'm starting to get just tired of just Batman being a mortal human guy who just seems to be infallible and can hold his own with gods. Yeah. It's kind of getting old. Yeah. That, uh, that book is sounding a little bit like a lot of... Uh... A lot of sucking of the bat dick, if you will. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I 
I will check that out though. All the same, it's it's one of those events that got talked about so much that I kind of I kind of need to hop in and just see what it's all about. Um, I would have said uh, the button incident. Oh yeah, but I only got to read the first part of that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a an interesting one too. DC's been doing some interesting. I read the first part of it, and that was enough for me to want to read the rest of it. Okay, yeah. But, like I said, I didn't get to read the rest of it, so I just... I went with the thing I read all of. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I've got two comics here. One being my my absolute favorite of 2018, and then the really, really close second. Um... The second one being, and I'm not just saying that, just saying this because of someone being a guest on our podcast, but Exit Stage Left, The Snagglepuss Chronicles by Mark Russell, uh, and with art by Mike Fian, guest of the podcast. Um, it's such a fucking good read. It is just the one uh, one book, It um, I think it's five or six issues, and it's this really really interesting twist on Snagglepuss um, where he is a uh, gay playwright back in the I'm gonna say like 50s and uh, yeah yeah because it's, it's Cold War era and um, you know there's all there's all this talk of like like McCarthyism is, is going on and it's just really interesting what what they did with those characters, and it's a, it's a pretty emotional read. I gotta say, it's a, a really fucking good book, and I highly recommend it. Uh, not your usual comic, like it's not action packed. You know, there's not a lot of superpowers, but you know, it's a, it's a good book. Um, just got nominated uh, for a Glad Award, yes, didn't it? Yes, it did. Um, so congratulations to them on, on their nomination. Hopefully they can maybe even take home an award there, but if not, you know, it's still really fucking cool. Uh, and I've seen that yeah. on a lot of year-end lists. Like, it is getting some real hype. Um, and I, I, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but, uh, my favorite comic of the year being Saga by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. I read the entire run of Saga this year, and I think it's the best comic I've ever read. Um, and I don't take those words lightly. It, it's really something else to behold. Um, and even the run that actually came out in 2018 uh, was just so fucking good. They they really don't hold back in any way. Like if they have an idea, be it violent sexually graphic or or just weird just truly fucking weird they go for it and it fits and they make it work so well um i've heard talk of like saga being brought to the big screen and i've said it before like you know this would be great but i i don't know how well it would work because i i don't know if there is a network or a movie studio that would be willing to make this on the grand scale while keeping it just as weird and as sexually and and maybe violently explicit as it is um it's it 
it's crazy. It's all over the place. Like I, I can't even get into it. I just, I would highly recommend it to everyone because it is just that good. Nice. Yeah. Um, do you have anything for, like, actual book, like a book with words and not pictures? Which uh, I know I didn't really read many of those. No, it sounds, it sounds um, kind of boring. The only know. books I really read this year were all just on fitness and nutrition. Stuff like that. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, nothing I really want to get into here on the podcast. Okay. Um, I got one. I, I read it this month, but it came out in, I think, October or November. Uh, and to tie it back into the podcast conversation earlier, uh, one of the co-hosts of Puck Soup, Sean McIndoe, uh, he wrote a book called The Down Goes Brown History of the NHL. Uh, Down Goes Brown being his online hockey writer persona. Um, and basically the book is just a history of the NHL from its origins, from its its creation up until modern day. But it's less focused on like the, you know, the typical glory and and uh, drama and more about the, like, it's basically, like, a sentiment that I truly, truly agree with. And that is that I love this sport, but by my fucking god, the NHL is weird. And and they make the stupidest decisions sometimes. And, and that's basically what the book is. Because it doesn't shy away from, like, I don't know, uh... Like that time, like a, a good a good tale that he tells in the, in the book at one point is how at one point a an owner of a team got so bored with the draft that he made up a player and drafted him, and the NHL has since kind of gotten rid of it from the record books, and how two teams like the Edmonton Oilers and Toronto Maple Leafs almost traded teams, they almost traded their franchises to each other to try and make some money. And just like little weird tidbits like that, um, and it, it just paints a really, I think, authentic picture of the NHL um, as being basically our only option for hockey, and not a perfect one, but an entertaining one to say the least. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a really fucking good book. I think the best hockey book I've ever read, and I, and I, I like to read quite a few of them. Um, yeah, I, I recommend that one to any hockey fans, for sure. And that is the last I have to say about hockey today. <laughs> Finally. Um, so, we've only got the big ones left. The, the big three categories of pop culture here that we actually talk about on a regular basis. So, I think we should kick it off with maybe best video game. Of 2018? Yeah. Yeah, let's get into the big guns. Uh, who's who's starting this one? I'll take this one. Okay. Um, the best video game, in my opinion, of 2018 was easily Spider-Man for PS4. Okay, so we might as well talk about this at the same time, because I fully agree. Such a good game. So fucking good. I'm still playing it. I'm I'm still at it. 
Um, yeah, like it's just like I can't say enough good about this game. Like I haven't played the DLC yet, but I have to ask you, did you cry or come close at the end of the story? Um, it definitely pulled on the heartstrings a little bit there. Not to spoil it, but yeah. Um, and you know what? The, you know what hurts? The story was so good. Yeah. Okay, okay. We're not going to spoil anything here at all, but there is a certain uh, death in the game. And I, I need to say that just because what tugged on my heartstrings and was even more of a gut punch afterwards is in the post-game, after completing the story... Uh, that character's grave is in game, and you can find it. And no way! Oh, it's there, man. I accidentally came across it, and I was like, "Oh, fuck me, really?" Yeah. Um, can't recommend that game enough. Really can't. Really though. Um, honestly, and like this sounds bold, but I'm gonna say it: Marvel Spider-Man makes my top 10 video games of all time. That is very fair. Because, and I'm realizing, like, games that were in my top 10 or close to my top 10 have moved out because what, like, the fix that I got from those games, I get all of them from Spider-Man. Um, like, Sunset Overdrive was a game I loved. I don't know if I need Sunset Overdrive anymore because that combination of combat while traversal and like that fun traversal in an open world setting that's what I'm getting from Spider-Man now um yeah like it just hits so many points uh it's in in the same way of I loved Destiny because you could hop in for hours and hours or you could hop in for 10 minutes and you can do that with Spider-Man you can hop in and you know uh, play a chunk of the story or, or go on a collecting spree or you could just hop in and you know uh, I'm gonna do a few crimes uh, and and that'll be it um, I've never wanted to 100% a game so much in my life and I'm really close I'm actually kind of taking my time just to savor it um, the collecting of the suits is such a big thing the the feeling of swinging through New York City on, on on your webs like everything about this game is so fucking great. Yeah. Uh, like we said earlier, um, uh, when you play a video game, it's it's kind of like hopping into the shoes of a of a character, and that's not usually for me. I'm usually pretty distanced. But when I play Spider-Man, I feel like I am Spider-Man, and it is a fucking blast. Yeah. Like, what suits were your favorite to use? Oh, man. Uh, honestly, my favorite suit right now, of right now, is a DLC suit. Uh, I forget the exact name on it. It's one of the, like, MK Spider-Armors, but it's the... Uh, the silver armor from the animated series in the 90s. Oh, yes. Yeah, and, like, I, I unlocked it and immediately was like, holy shit, I had this action figure as a kid, and this really, really brings me back. So I've been, I've been wearing that one constantly. 
Um, they just released some new suits for free yesterday. I'm going to have to download them. Yeah, uh, there's a new update, and it's just two new suits. Uh, Fantastic Four suits, actually. The Nice. The white and black Future Foundation suit and the Bagman suit. The, the what is it uh, the bombastic bagman or whatever it's called where it's literally just spider-man in a fantastic four suit with no shoes and a paper bag over his head Jeez. and it's fucking great right like and that's one other thing they 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 listen to the fans like uh they gave away the sam raimi spider-man suit in, for free in december uh what were your favorite suits in the game I usually went with uh, either the Scarlet Spider suit. Yes. Or the... If I didn't use Scarlet Spider, I was using, I believe, Spider-Man Noir. Nice. Now, I I used to do this thing, and I still do it. Um, It's not used to at all. Every single time I have to do any kind of stealth in the game... I know it doesn't make a difference. I know it doesn't add anything to the actual gameplay, but I have to switch to the noir suit. I I do it every time. If I'm doing stealth, I am in the noir suit. And you can do that without having to compromise like yeah. your specials or anything like that. Yep, and there's no loading. You just go into your menu and you switch, and that's it. It's seamless. Yep. It's amazing. Man, such a good game. I, fuck, I can't stop expressing. And, like, so many people I know uh, are into this. Uh, my cousin is big on this game right now. And, like, for years, he was mostly a uh, NHL Call of Duty gamer. Like, you know, no, no shame in it, but, like, he, he didn't play a lot of these third-person story-based games. And I don't know if Spider-Man is exactly what kicked it off, but Spider-Man is the first one that I've heard him go on and on and on about. And like he messages me, messages me like every second day, just being like, like whatever new thing he did in Spider-Man. He's I think he's probably gonna get the DLC at this point because he just can't stop playing it. Um, That's sick. It's fucking great. Um, and I talked to Mitchell the other day. Uh, it's the, he didn't love it as much as we did. I believe he had some issues with uh, some of the combat mechanics or something. Um, I'm trying to remember what he said his top game of the year was. Um, shit, I forgot now. I feel like maybe Smash Bros, but I'm not positive. I could be wrong on that. Okay. I'm not. I'm not gonna quote that because you know I, I I'm not positive, but I feel like Smash was up there for him. I'm not sure. Um, maybe yeah, Manu Smash was really good. Oh, yeah. I, I actually... I uh, loved it. I was playing it with him a little bit the other day after we recorded Final Form. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. But, yeah, not, not my favorite game of the year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, that's... Video games. Now, uh, I will note, I've heard good things about God of War, and I have a copy that I got for Christmas, 
that I have not touched yet. I'm waiting till I have some time set aside and I'm actually uh, finished with Spider-Man because I can't stop playing Spider-Man. Nice. But uh, yeah, well, uh, maybe I'll give that a little review when I, I get around to playing that. Um, okay, next up we have Best TV of 2018. Or best TV series. We're not talking about the physical models of TVs. Um, oh well, my answer goes right out the window. <laughs> Shit! Literally, I'm going to throw my TV out the window. Yeah. Um, I didn't prepare an answer for this, but um, I feel like like I had this conversation over text with um. Uh, friend of mine Reese Harrison lately and we were saying about how um, this season of Arrow and the Flash and Supergirl and well yeah Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow like the seasons that started in 2018 fall are killing it oh yeah yeah like some of them kind of fell off the rails a little bit for a while, but seems like they're finding themselves again now. Good stuff. Yep. Like, Legends is cheesy, and it like, it knows it's cheesy, so it just has fun with it. Yeah. That's fair. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, I have two answers for this one. Um, the best new series of 2018, and the best returning series. Um, it was a little easier this year because, well, most of my favorite shows skipped 2018. Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, Rick and Morty, they all took the year off. Um, which, I mean, all that means is I'm going to be more excited to watch them in 2019. But uh, one show that had taken 2017 off uh, returned for its second season, and that is Atlanta. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched Atlanta. I don't know that I don't know anybody who else who watches the show. I've never seen a single episode. I have rewatched it quite a few times now. Atlanta is one of the best things on TV, in my opinion. Um, probably second only to Stranger Things for me. And nice. it's just so fucking good. It it's it's weird. It is truly fucking weird. It's kind of a sitcom but it's dramatic um and it's donald glover who's good in everything he does as yep earn uh this character who's trying to just get by he has a kid uh he has a, a on and off relationship with um uh this character played by zazie beats from deadpool 2 uh D- domino right um, yep. Yeah, like, this whole cast has broken out since the show started, like, two years ago. Um, so, they have this on-again, off-again relationship, and he tries to... He finds out that his cousin, uh, Paperboy, is what he goes by, uh, is, is making it as a rapper. He's starting to get a bit of traction. And so, he comes in and says, you know, like, I can manage you, I can... And that is what the show is about. It's about this, just this little cast of characters. You got Paperboy trying to make it as a rapper, Earn trying to make it as the manager, um, 
and there's a third character. Um, I'm forgetting the names off the top of my head. I forgot to write them down, um, but it doesn't matter. Paperboy's uh, right-hand man is played by Lakeith Stanfield, um, and Paperboy is played by Brian Tyree Henry. Brian Tyree Henry was in everything this year. He was in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He was in Widows. He was in If Beale Street Could Talk. Like, this guy was all over the place. Uh, And the cast is amazing. And the episodes, it's not a straight story. It's not like, this happened, then this happened, then this. It is like, okay, this episode is going to be this weird offshoot about how, um, I don't know, uh, Paperboy got attacked and then got lost in the woods for a night. Or... Uh, and, and it turns into like a full-on horror story or uh, this episode is just a funny episode about a charity basketball game uh, that has a black Justin Bieber in it for some reason um, and like it it just the show does whatever it wants it doesn't try and fit the norms of television and it's just fucking so entertaining in every way. Uh, and you know what? Honestly, I want to binge the whole thing again. Uh, two seasons so far. I think 20-ish episodes. Maybe a little less. But fuck, it's good. Um, nice. And the best new show of 2018 for me was a no-brainer. The Haunting of Hill House was so good. Um, a horror story that is not really a horror story kind of a more so about the trauma of dealing with ghosts as a child I'm not sure exactly how to put it but you've got flashbacks to this family being haunted when you know this family of two parents and five kids I think it is being haunted as the kids are growing up and then it cuts back and forth to them in the modern day and how all these kids are now really fucked up adults with a lot of problems Um, Nice. It's really good. Uh, And, like, they did this creepy thing, and I've mentioned on the podcast before, but they hid, like, 50-plus ghosts in the background of shots that are never mentioned. Like, they don't bring them up in any way. They don't bring any attention to them. But if you notice them, it's scary as fuck. To just be like, like, there's a conversation happening, and then you see, oh, shit, is that someone looking in the window behind them? Like, it's really good. Um, really well made, and there's one episode, I think it's episode 7 or 8, that is the single best episode of a TV show that I watched in 2018, because the whole thing has flashbacks, like I said, it goes back and forth between this one single night in the future and one single night in the past, but the whole thing is done so it looks like one continuous camera shot, and it's amazing. I've never seen uh, a TV episode done like that. It is, like, absolutely groundbreaking. And uh, I recommend it if you're up for a creepy time. But you also... I usually am. You also got to be up for a bit of a a dramatic time as well. (laughs) Because it's not all horror. Um, But it's a great show. And I, I don't know if they're planning on doing a season two. I'm not sure if a season two is necessary. But... You know, if they do it and they have a good enough idea for it, I'll watch it. So, 
Yeah. Sick. That's that's everything up to the movies. And this is yep. the, the big one. Uh, so we're going to get into our top 10 list of 2018. Top 10 movies. Um, now, how do you want to do this? Uh, do you want to go one at a time? That's what we did last year. Sorry, I was taking a drink. Yeah. Um, yeah, we could do that. Okay. Um, so who's going to kick this one off? I'll kick this one off because you just went on your spiel about your shows. Fair enough. Uh, I'm really interested in hearing yours. Like, last year, I uh, I had a pretty good idea of the movies that you were really crazy about in 2018. And this year, I've got maybe, like, a handful, but I have no idea what is in your top ten at all. I'm completely in the dark on this one. I honestly think my list is pretty predictable looking at it right now okay (laughs) okay so i'll kick this off with my number 10 number 10 i said strangers pray at night oh really yeah now of all the movies that i watched this year i did not see this was it the greatest movie ever no clearly not if it's only like number 10 for the year for me yeah but as someone who likes his slasher movies, like, this was a good bit of fun. Like, there were some parts that were predictable, there were some parts that were a bit cheesy, campy, whatever. But, it delivered what I wanted from a slasher flick. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, like, there's a few jumps, and you're trying to figure out the motives and everything of the killer and yeah it was just simply it was just a fun slasher flick in my opinion awesome could have been better could have been much much worse as always, but yeah. it was good enough to get it at number 10 on my list good stuff yeah uh, do you want me to go with like continue on with my list or did you want to go with your number 10 oh yeah uh, that's what I mean did you want to go back and forth like that or do you want to go one at a time like uh, let's go one at a time like okay you're gonna go through your full list no you you oh okay. sorry okay one at a time as in like yeah gotcha back and forth okay. I'm tired no worries I've been up for a while <laughs> okay well if that's the case uh, I'm gonna run through some honorable mentions real quick get those out of the sure. way. Um, there's a lot of movies that I could mention as honorable mentions. Uh, honestly, I watched 56 movies from 2018, and I only thought five of them were bad. Uh, and the top... Tr- and we were in agreement on the ones that we had both seen. Yes, yes. Uh, not even not even worthy of being mentioned here. No, fuck that. Nope. Um but I actually, like, I scored the movies. I gave them, every movie I watched this year, I gave a rating to. Um, okay. I actually, I went deep on this. Uh, I watched every superhero movie, every big blockbuster. I watched every Best Picture nominee. Um, I t- really tried to fill out the list and just make sure I had seen everything. Um, 
and I think the top 21 or 22 were uh, on the good pizza scale, sevens or better. Nice. That high. So, uh, honorable mentions being the, the three movies that came really close to making my top ten, but didn't quite. Uh, first one being Mission Impossible Fallout. Surprisingly, okay. I liked it that much. I think it's the best Mission Impossible movie that they have made altogether. Uh, it is the movie that proved to me that Henry Cavill is a pretty fucking good actor. Um, I had no idea that he could act. Um, and it's got a good story to back up these crazy stunts that they always put in these movies. And um, I just want to say that the bathroom fight scene, of the three-person fight scene in the bathroom is one of the best fight scenes I've seen in years I highly recommend just checking out that scene um, nice next up uh, one of, I think maybe the funniest movie of the year uh, Game Night Game Night came close yep. to making my top 10 best com- like best straight up comedy I've seen in a very long time uh I, I find most comedies these days don't really do much for me. They don't, like, have much of a lasting effect. Uh, Game Night, I've watched a handful of times now, and it is just so fucking good. Um, nice. Everybody in it is funny. Uh, Kyle Chandler showing off some comedic chops. I love that guy. And the fact that Jesse Plemons is one of the funniest characters of the year in uh, The Neighbor. I forget his name now, but it's so fucking good. Um, yeah, Game Night was uh, very, very close to making my list. And the last of my honorable mentions, uh, a weird movie, to be sure, uh, Mandy. Did you watch Mandy? No. Oh, man, Mandy is something else. It, I had this in my top ten for a long time, but it, it just missed the mark. Um, so Mandy is a experimental horror film slash revenge tale starring Nicolas Cage and it's kind of artsy and like it's it's basically two movies in one and I mean like to a T it, it is like a two hour movie the first hour sets up the, the, the story of Nicolas Cage um, and who his character is and, and so on and there is an event that happens, I'm not going to spoil anything, about an hour into the movie, that sets this revenge tale in motion, and then Nicolas Cage just goes on a fucking rampage. And it is so good. It is an absolutely insane movie. Like, it's completely left field. Um, but it is the single, and I stand by this, it is the single greatest acting performance of Nicolas Cage's career and that is entirely because this director for the first time understood how to work with his acting style if you want to put it that way um, I feel like a lot of directors cast Nicolas Cage and try and play him as your typical A-list blockbuster uh, actor and that's not exactly what he's good at <laughs> to say the least um, no but this movie is crazy. It, uh, like, it is absolutely nuts. Uh, I cannot, like, I can't explain enough how fucking batshit this movie is. And it is such a good time. Um. Nice. So, with that being said, my number ten movie. And 
I've had this set in stone for a while. That this would be exactly number 10 and no higher or lower. Uh, Avengers Infinity War. Uh, I think that it, I like this movie better than some of the movies I have ranked ahead of it, but it's it's weird. Like uh, Infinity War to me is the first of its kind, and it's the only of its kind in that it's more relatable to a TV show than a movie. Um, the fact that you have ten years worth of movies, twenty movies total, or sorry, eighteen movies beforehand that you really need to see. To get every single storyline in this movie um, makes it like it, it doesn't really work on its own but it's one of the highest grossing movies of all time and the fact that like the Russos managed to make this movie that you need this much um, you need this much preparation in order to understand and to watch but at the same time managed to sell that many tickets and get most of the world to watch it is amazing. Um, yeah. It's it's an absolute like it's an absolute achievement in just not in in film making but in world building in in keeping an audience tuned in and and making people give a shit about these characters and these worlds. Uh, it's it's insane. I, um, it's like it's the first of its kind and it stands completely on its own. That's why I have it at 10, not because I think that it is only the 10th best movie, but it's it's hard to rank amongst the other movies. So I'm kind of just taking this and setting it aside and then doing my other 9 and I don't really know exactly where I can rank it. Um I mean not to mention Josh Brolin as Thanos was amazing. Um just it, it makes you laugh quite a bit. It makes you cry at times for various reasons. Um, yeah, um, so that's my number 10. Avengers Infinity War. Nice. Okay. Now let's now that we're, we're all caught up together, let's, uh, let's move on to our number 9s. Uh, my number 9 was a movie that you actually just touched on. Uh, Game Night. Oh, awesome. Yes. Yeah, I I thought this movie... Like, I found it started a bit slow, but then, like, it just took right off. Yeah. Um, I'm a big Jason Bateman fan anyway. Yeah. And, oh my god, that scene with the dog. <laughs> oh my god, yep. Yep. So good. Like, there were so many, like... When this movie started, like, five minutes in, I thought, like, oh my god, like, this is going to be a movie I'm going to want to walk out of. By the midway point of the movie, Emily and I both cracking the fuck up. Yeah, uh... Like, it... It's... It was... It... It surprised me quite a bit. Me, like, me very too. Like, very pleasantly surprised. Me too. I... I had no intentions on even watching the movie, just because... It takes a lot for me to even want to watch a new comedy, and yes. actually, to bring it back to the podcast, uh, one of the guys from Puck Soup was talking about how this was maybe his favorite movie of the year, and I was like, really? This movie? Okay, so I'll check it out, 
And I was just laughing so fucking hard. And I haven't laughed that hard in a, like to a new comedy in a while. Yeah, like, I, I really don't know what else to say about this movie without dabbing into spoilers. Yeah, yeah. But it just... I laughed a lot. And that's really all I need to say about a comedy. It made me laugh a lot. Yeah. And it made me laugh a lot on the rewatch, which is a is a feat for a comedy. That the jokes Yeah, hold exactly. Up. Um Yeah. Like when a when a joke catches you by surprise and makes you laugh, that's one thing, but when you can laugh again on the rewatch, that's saying something Ex- about exactly. the quality of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. What do you have for your number nine? Okay, my number nine is the freshest movie on my list in terms of me watching it. I watched it uh, two or three days ago for the first time. Um, And it is a movie that kind of got fucking snubbed with the Oscars. That is If Beale Street Could Talk. Um, It is not my usual type of movie. It is... See, I haven't seen this movie, but... I'm surprised it got, for the most part, snubbed because I've been hearing a lot of good things from like critics and oh, yeah. reviews. And it it got great reviews and and uh, it's directed by Barry Jenkins, the guy behind Moonlight. So his last movie and which was, I think, his first uh, feature like directorial debut, won Best Picture, and now his next movie got looked over. It, it got. Three nominations, but no Best Picture nom. Um, so, like, I'm not usually a drama guy. It's not really my my thing normally. But lately, I've been I don't know. Uh, I've been really delving into stuff with um, with great acting. I'm I'm looking for the the craft of filmmaking a little bit more than I used to. Um, and if Beale Street Katak hits every mark for me like uh the story is basically um uh, it's it's an all black cast it, it like Barry Jenkins makes movies about uh the African American experience basically and and uh this movie it's is about it's based on a sorry it's based on a a, a book by James Baldwin and it tells a story of this young couple um young black couple freshly in love and the the guy uh Fonny gets locked away for a crime he didn't commit and at the same time uh oh my god uh, the girl's name is escaping me here but she finds out she's pregnant and it's just about uh just the hardships of their lives and and it's about it's about a lot of things. It's about love. It's about race. It's about family. It uh, it's a really fucking touching movie, and it has a lot of emotional gut punches. Um, and and it I don't know. It just it left a mark, uh, enough of a mark that I I wanted to squeeze it into this list at the last minute. It could be higher if I if I get to rewatch it sometime soon, but uh, yeah. Not not my not my usual cup of tea, but man, this one left a mark on me. 
Uh, nice. So let's move into our number eight. Number eight, I said Deadpool two. Nice. Uh, I will note uh, in our com- conversation me and Mitchell had the other day, this was by and far his number one choice of the year. Uh, See, I didn't like the second one as much as the first one. Uh, I don't think I did either. This was r- just short of the honorable mentions for me, though. It was definitely high up there. And, I mean, among the 56 movies I watched this year, it's definitely in the top 15, so. Yeah. Um, I still haven't seen Once Upon a Deadpool. Me either. I'm not, like, overly tempted on it. No. Cause it's... I saw it the other day. I was tempted to pick it up, and then I just put it back and yeah. stuck with what I ended up purchasing. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a superhero movie, so I'm obviously going to watch it. Yeah. Um, I was a huge fan of what they did with a certain character, kind of yep, yep, okay. redemption for a previous iteration. Okay, yep. Spoiler territory. Okay. I see what you're saying there. Yeah. Not going to name names. They did good work with a lot of characters, to be fair. Uh, Cable and yep. Domino are fucking great in this movie. Yes. And what they did with X-Force wasn't what I was hoping for. Yeah. But I ended up enjoying it regardless. Yep, yep. Um, I'll leave it at that. Very fun end credits as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of fun in that movie. I rewatched it uh, a week or two ago, I think, and it was just it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. What are we at? Number eight. Okay, my number eight, and I'm assuming it's probably on your list somewhere as well. Uh, Halloween. The the new iteration of the franchise, uh, directed by David Gordon Green. I uh, I watched this in theaters when I went to Halifax the fall, and I was surprised by how much I enjoyed this. Um, I've always enjoyed the Halloween movies, but like I've never been a big Halloween fanboy. Like I've never been, you know, um, it's never been me. one of my favorites, right? You've never been me, exactly. Um, but I thought I thought this movie like. I really, really like what uh, the director did here in that it is a brand new movie. It it leaps into the present day of storytelling, but it is such a throwback at the same time. Um, helped immensely by the score. Uh, John Carpenter himself did the score to this movie. And, yep. um, I don't know, it, it like... It's this perfect balance of new and old filmmaking styles when you watch it. Like, um, they did a lot of the, like, a lot of these old school camera angles that you would see in an old slasher flick. But at the same time, like, uh, I mean, it's not a spoiler to say that Michael Myers kills people in this movie, I would imagine. Uh, but there's a really fucking cool shot where. It is following Michael as he goes from house to house, killing people, and the shot is continuous, and, like, 
it stays outside of the house most of most of the time. So you're like, you're hearing the kids trick or treating, but you're seeing someone being brutally murdered by Michael Myers, and it is a fucking brilliant shot. Um, yep. I I like that they use podcasters as a plot device at one point. That's fun. Um, yeah. Uh, we got we got some <laughs> we got some on screen representation I guess, um, uh, just like the setups and how they move from place to place, how they move the setting of what's happening is really it really works, all of it works really well, um, and I think Jamie Lee Curtis was phenomenal in this movie, and the fact that they kind yeah. of uh, switched at times so that it was like Michael was being the one hunted by Laurie Strode. I thought that was really cool. Uh, yeah. I, I just thought it was a fucking really well done horror movie. And yeah, that's that's about all I can say because I, I'm i not the most uh, well read on the franchise, but the movie on its own. just Just having watched the original and this one I feel like uh, I don't know. Just it, it did a lot for me for sure. Yeah, definitely. What do you got for number seven? Number seven, I said Aquaman. Nice. Yeah. Um, this movie was just. It was right up there amongst the best of the DCEU. Yes, easily. Yeah. Um, I I went in with low expectations because, I mean, the way the DCEU has been performing. Yeah, of course. And I was I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, I'd rank it right up there next to Wonder Woman. Yep. Doesn't beat Wonder Woman in my opinion, but, um, I will put it up there. Yeah. And, I mean, I was a little bit disappointed that, like, I went into this movie thinking it was mostly going to be just people going in to check out how hot Jason Momoa was. Yeah, of course. That's what I kind of figured it was going to be. But it was more than that. Um, I might have ranked it higher if it wasn't... Uh, how do I say this? I don't know. Just There were parts of it where I was like, he just seems kind of dumb. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Aside from that, it was a pretty, it was, it was a pretty solid flick. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to throw my two cents in here. Um, I watched Aquaman, I think, last weekend. And uh, I do think, for me... I think it's my favorite of the DCU films. I, I do like it more than Wonder Woman. Uh, and in terms of him being dumb, I feel like 
I feel like I like what they did with his character more in this than in Justice League. In Justice League, he was a little, a little too bro. In this one, he's a little more, um, not the brightest, and it's played up a little comedically, almost, almost in like a Thor Ragnarok way, where like he is strong, he is a hero, but uh, not the brightest at times, you know. Um, yeah, I kind of like that better. He's a little less abrasive as a character than he was in Justice League. Yeah, that, I don't know. I, I I really enjoyed the movie as well. I, definitely a good pick. Yeah, I don't really know how much I can say about this without going into spoilers. But yeah, I, I mean, normally I don't like Patrick Wilson at all. Yeah, yeah. But I thought he was well cast. Me too. Yep. Yeah, I I don't really have anything negative to say about it. One of my favorite characters in the whole movie was Willem Dafoe. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, Willem Dafoe is fantastic anyway. He's never bad. I wouldn't say never, but... Well, I don't know. I I don't know if I've ever seen him in anything. I thought he was the problem. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I've seen movies that weren't good that unfortunately had him in it but yeah I can agree to that yeah uh so what do you have for number seven okay so my number seven is the one point of uh, conflict when making my list because what I have there right now was my number one movie for most of the year, and it took a like a it dove on the tail end because I started watching all these movies with like great acting and and just really good on the technical side, and then when I went back to this, I was like, oh, oh no, this isn't as good as I remember it. Even though I had it like as my number one on the first couple of watches, uh, and it's Ready Player One. I still haven't seen that. Like it is a lot of fun, and I like it is one of the best movie-going experiences I had in the year. Not the best, but it was up there. Um, it was the one time I recall I went into the movie theater in a bad mood because I was late for the movie. I was I was kind of frustrated and a little pissed off because I was late for no one's particular fault like it it just happened and the movie lifted my spirit and by the end of it I was in a great mood Um, so I'm just going to get into the the better parts of the movie because like the acting didn't hold up that well at points and some of the dialogue and the the script is a little rough at times but um, and so like no it's not Spielberg's best but it is a lot of fun. Um, it is an over-the-top CGI big-budget adventure. Um, pop culture references, fucking everywhere. Um, and the one, th- the one argument I will make for Ready Player One, that I- I've heard a lot of people say that it is all it is is just you know sucking the dicks of all these different pop culture franchises, and that and that is it. It's just throwing references with no substance but I argue that the movie isn't about those pop culture franchises the movie is 
turning the eye back to the fans. And it's Steven Spielberg, of all people, who's, I mean, between Jurassic Park, E.T., Jaws, Indiana Jones, his career uh, was made on the backs of fans supporting his franchises yeah, and his movies. Uh, I mean, not to mention he had his hands in the Goonies and Back to the Future. Like, he, if the fans didn't take his stuff and run with it, he wouldn't be what he is. Um, and so this movie, I feel like, just kind of is is about fandom. It's about why people are crazy about fandoms the way that they are and how awesome that can be and how how much of a a community it can be to be amongst other fans. Um and I feel like it does a great job with it. Like it it's yes, it's based in a video game, but it does a really good job with um showing like actual easter eggs in games and it puts a lot of uh work into the world building it's the one time i can think of that i thought the movie was better than the book wow yeah i really do because the book um it leaves out points like it's 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 good it's a really good read I, i recommend it but when you think about it it's like oh everything that is um that the author is going on about is sort of white male based like um it's set it's all about stuff from the 80s but somehow he doesn't ever mention like 80s hip-hop or prince or um purple rain even as a movie like there's a lot of uh great like cultural aspects that yeah that and and spielberg put work into adding more of that which was great um yeah uh there is a particular scene uh to do with the shining that is fucking amazing and in particular i do think the one actor that really does a solid job in this is mark rylance i mean simon pegg is always great anyway but uh Mark Rylance is kind of the heart of the movie. Um, yeah. Um, so it was my number one movie of the year. I rewatched it again just the other day. And it's like, I really had to kind of realistically look at it and be like, I don't enjoy this movie as much as these other six. You thought you did. Yeah, at least these other six. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. That. Uh, I feel pretty good about it now that I've gotten it out because I was really conflicted on like, you know, this was one of my favorites, but now I watched it and I'm like, I don't know anymore. But uh, yeah, seven I think is a good spot for it. Okay. So, uh, number six. I said Jurassic World 2. Really? Yep. Now, it's funny because when we reviewed it, it seemed like I was bigger on the movie than you were. I think I gave it a better rating somehow, but it didn't make my list, but it made yours. <laughs> yeah, I I guess once, like, I had time to just kind of, like, sit back and think on it and stuff like that, it, um, I think it really grew on me a bit. Yeah. It was a fun movie. It was a fun movie, and 
like one of my original comparisons for it was I basically said it was Resident Evil but with dinosaurs. Yeah. And I love me some Resident Evil. That's fair. Yeah. And I love me some dinosaurs. That you do. So, like, after I gave that movie a while to really kind of chill and sit with me, it grew on me a bit more. Because I think the day I went and watched it in theaters, I was in a bit of a sour mood. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you know that can definitely affect how you feel about a movie if you watch it when you're in a bad mood and that's like the only time you've seen it. Yeah. So I've gone back and watched it since and yeah. I think I enjoyed it more after the second viewing. Yeah. That's fair. And and to be fair, when I watched it, I was having a really really great day. Like um I believe it was Canada Day or yeah, I think I, I don't know if it was July 1st or the very end of June. Um, but me and Charlotte met her parents in Cornerbrook. Um, we went to see a movie. We bought a bunch of stuff at uh, M&M meat shops, had a barbecue. Uh, it was just a, like, a really good day from start to finish. So I think that might have affected my mood when watching it as well. So it's probably somewhere in the middle of, of what we both initially thought of it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was a solid, fun movie, for sure. Yeah, so that's my take on Jurassic World 2. And I mean, I did. my biggest problem with the first Jurassic World was... Like, it was largely the whole Bryce Dallas Howard running around wearing fucking heels. Yeah. Like, a woman in heels in the jungle. Like, I, I've i watched a fair bit of RuPaul's Drag Race. I've seen people do some amazing things in heels, like some of the <laughs> choreography and dancing. Yeah. And, yeah. like, man, some of the stuff that these queens can do in heels is amazing but one thing I will always doubt people can do in heels is run on soft ground of the forest slash jungle without their heels digging into the ground and them falling Yep. and in the first Jurassic Park they barely outrun a T-Rex in a fucking jeep yet she manages to do it in heels in the first Jurassic World yeah which was apparently on her insistence. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, yeah, I get it. I get the idea. Yeah, so... I I was paying attention, like, watching for shit like that in the second one, and I didn't see any of it. So that was... You know, that gave it a boost yeah. in my book. Yeah, it's fair. Yep, that's Jurassic World 2 for me. And that was your number 6, right? My number six. My number six um, is a romantic comedy. Really? Yes. My number six pick. And it was higher, honestly. It moved down just because something else moved up. Um, For a while, it was my top three movies of the year. Uh, So, okay. I'm going to delve... I'm going to give a bit of a backstory here. 
I have watched a ton of romantic comedies over this fall and winter um, because I discovered that I actually enjoy romantic comedies when they're done well. And they're often not. Um, the movie that really changed my opinion that I only watched for the first time this winter is When Harry Met Sally. Wow. Have you ever seen that? Like, it's a classic movie. A long, long time ago. It is a fucking phenomenal movie. It has a great script. It has great acting. The leads have real chemistry. And that is something that I, I really feel like is important in a romantic comedy working. Is you have to believe that they are a couple with actual feelings for each other. Um, and the thing that ruins most romantic comedies for me is most romantic comedies are, okay, let's get two attractive people put them in a shitty script and fill it with dumb jokes that would be in most, like, crude comedies. And they can work yeah. in crude comedies, but in a romantic comedy, they generally fall flat. Yeah. Um, so, the movie that really did it for me this year and hit every mark of a great romantic comedy was Crazy Rich Asians. Really? I fucking love this movie. I love this movie so much. I watch it over and over again. It is... Did you see it? No. It is so good, man. The whole cast is phenomenal. The leads, uh, Constance Wu and Henry Golding, they should be absolute stars. They are phenomenal. You you actually feel the chemistry between them. You understand that like this is definitely a real couple. Uh, and they don't go for dumb jokes. Actually, they don't... like. Sometimes they don't even bother with jokes because they just put like fun scenarios fun situations and basically the story is uh they're a couple in i feel like it's new york somewhere in america wherever it is um americaville americaville sure the point is that he is from a very very wealthy family in uh fuck i'm trying to remember i think it's singapore um, and his, he, he's going to be the best man at, at a, an old friend's wedding. So he invites his current girlfriend home with him. However, she doesn't know that he has money because he tries to separate himself from that. Right. And that's the setup of her being like, Oh shit, these people are really rich. And you know, like it, it's the very classic setup of, Someone who is not well off put into the situation of wealthy people and trying to fit in. But it's yeah. done more realistically. It's done with phenomenal acting. Um, the fact that Michelle Yo, Yo, I'm not sure to pronounce her last name, uh, who plays his mother, the fact that she didn't get nominated for Best Supporting Actress is a fucking travesty. And it's just like it. It's really, it doesn't shy away from the culture, but it doesn't stereotype. It doesn't, like, they're not one-note characters that are just Asian, but every character is so fully Asian um, and in very different ways. Um, and that's the whole thing, like, the, 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 not just the cast, but the whole crew, like, the, the people behind this movie are also Asian, and... It like it's it does kind of what Black Panther does in terms of representation, 
in the fact that like you know now like like um they don't get the same sort of um attention for it and not to say that like you know it's all about attention but but uh asians don't get the best on-screen representation and there's a really well-documented history of some of the shittiest characters that have been put on screen as Asian stereotypes, and some of them not even portrayed by Asian people, just, like, white people in shitty makeup. Um, yeah. And the fact that they made this movie, and then on top of it, it is just a really fucking good movie with great acting all around. It, it like, it's, oh, man, it's so good. Um... Honestly, and it this movie will make you cry. It'll make you laugh. Uh, it'll make you feel stuff, man. <laughs> um, make you feel them feels. And I can't recommend Crazy Rich Asians enough. Even if you don't like romantic comedies, check this fucking thing out, man. It is so good. Maybe that's what I'll have to pick up for the next date night. I that is a good idea. It is a very good idea. Is such a good date night movie, and if if you don't tear up or choke up a little at the wedding scene in the movie, there's a, a particular wedding scene. Uh, you you're heartless. You don't have a heart because <laughs> I don't cry that often. But fuck that scene got me. Come on, it's me. We both know I'll cry at it. Yeah, I know you will. Yeah, for sure. You're gonna cry multiple times watching that movie. I can guarantee it. What we're gonna have to when you get around to watching this, we're gonna have to revisit it. We're gonna have to talk about yeah. it again. Okay. I'm down. Okay, so let's move into our top fives of 2018. Okay. What do you got? For me, it was hard to break up all five of these. Hmm. Like. I, I found all five of these movies fantastic. Yeah, I feel that. I uh, all My top five all have pretty much perfect scores for me. Wow. The top four I would call 100% like 10 out of 10 movies. Number five is very close. All right, then. Let's do it. Um... My number five, I said A Quiet Place. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, I love this movie. Me too. This movie, like, had me freaked out. It made me cry. Like, it was wonderful. Like, I can't say enough good about A Quiet Place. Yeah, fully agree. Um, that being said, it did only make my number five, but it also, um, it made me want both members of the cast to be in a certain other movie. Oh, yes. I know exactly what you're hinting at there. Um, maybe a certain superhero family. Yeah. That's might be um, of a certain number of members. <laughs> they're quite 
amazing. Amazing, incredible. Uh, Synonyms. Yes, yes. There are, yeah. there are words that would describe this certain set number of people who may or may not be superheroes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think that I think that would be spot on casting. Absolutely. Yeah. Most definitely. And they've got like real chemistry because they are married. Um, yeah. And you can see it. Anyway. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying for that. Yeah. No, that's a solid pick. Um. My number five, just like how Ready Player One slowly dipped down the list throughout my year, um, this movie uh, slowly got higher and higher on the list, from not being on the list to being number five. Um, Black Panther. Nice. Black Panther is my number five. It is the movie I have watched the most this year. I watch it every couple of days. Like it um it's weird. Like okay. Uh what I was initially going to say, even as far back as December on this movie was that it's a more important movie than it is a good movie. Cuz culturally um it's a very important movie just in terms of what it did for representation and the fact that it made this much money and proved to Hollywood that, hey, yes, you can make money without having white people starring in your movie. It can it can be done. Um, yep. And it made a fucking ton of money. It made over a billion dollars. It's crazy. Um, but so initially it, I didn't think it was like a great technical movie, but then... The more and more I watch it, it's just like, okay, yes, this story has been told before, no doubt. It is basically Lion King meets Iron Man, in a sense, yeah. kind of. Um, but the more I thought about it, it's like this standard superhero story, this you know, fall and redemption of your hero. Has it ever been told this well? Has it ever been this fucking rewatchable? And has it ever had... Like, the thing that makes Black Panther for me is not the big things. It's the little details. Like, um, the score. It got nominated for... Well, I mean, for starters, it's a Marvel movie that got nominated for Best Picture. That's amazing. Um, yeah. But it got nominated for Best Score. Best Original Score. And so... I was at work the other night, and I I had a shift where I was driving around all night, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to just the Black Panther score on its own. And it's brilliant. It, um, just to talk about the music a little bit, like, not even inc including the, the Kendrick Lamar-based soundtrack, which was awesome. Um, the score done by Ludwig Gorenson, I believe his name is. He does this typical sort of uh, Alan Silvestri superhero orchestral thing. Like he's the Alan Silvestri is the guy who does all the Avenger scores, and he does that sort of like you know the orchestral swells and the this sounds very heroic, but at the same time he has all these African instruments playing at certain times, and then he includes uh, 
like little bits of hip hop and if you pay attention to the score while watching the movie it is very much based on what's happening on screen when when you are seeing Wakanda you are hearing Africa when yeah. you are seeing Killmonger you're hearing little bits of hip hop because just because of his heritage and who he is as a character and the fact that he made all of those different types of music work in one score is really well done. Um, yeah. The cast is amazing from head to toe. Everybody in this cast is great. Um, the fact that Lupita Nyong'o and Daniel Kaluuya are in this and are nowhere near the best of this cast is amazing because, like, to, to, yeah. to outshine those actors is a fucking feat. Winston Duke is amazing uh uh Letitia Wright as Shuri was so good Michael B Jordan should have been nominated for best supporting actor and was one of the best villains I've seen in a superhero movie and he's relatable like he's not entirely wrong uh not to spoil no. not to spoil what happens to him but like like yeah he he that's I think the great like the most relatable villains they have the right idea the right argument but their means are wrong like yeah his his solution is not the right solution to the problem that he is right in talking about and yeah it's just uh i I keep watching this movie i watched it again last night i i just keep watching it and there's something to be said for that The, the fact that it's a very like it just feels like a a very classic rewatchable movie through and through. And Oh my god, yeah. It's so good. Um Yeah, like my my opinion changed on Black Panther. Even like we talked over Christmas and I have said, Well, Black Panther was good, but it's not making my top ten. And here it is at number five a month later. Yep. So Yeah, uh that's my number five, Black Panther. Um, I don't really need to say much because Black Panther was my number four. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I think we just covered it all. Yeah. Um, Winston Duke was one of my favorite characters in the movie. Yes. As M'Baku. But, um, the villains in this movie. Yes. Being played by... Michael B. Jordan and Andy Serkis. Yep. Both of them did phenomenal jobs. I love Andy Serkis. I love Michael B. Jordan. Both of them just blew me away. Yeah. Um, to talk about the villains here, uh, I feel like some of the best movie villains of all time, the scene that they're introduced speaks a lot to how good of a villain they are. And the scene that not only introduces Killmonger at all, but introduces uh, Ulysses Claw as part of this movie is infinitely rewatchable. I love that scene. Yeah. So much. Yeah. I could go... I've been watching Black Panther so much, I could just keep fucking talking about it. I I could do a whole episode on Black Panther right now. Yeah. Man. Wakanda forever. 
<laughs> you got anything else you want to say about it? I, I can't shut up. No, about not it. about Black Panther. Okay. I think between the two of us, we covered it all. So here's something interesting that we did. Uh, my number five is your number four, and your number five was my number four. Uh, nice. Yeah, I, I had a quiet place at number four. Um, still not my favorite horror movie of the year. I still have another here later. Um, but it's a fucking, like, I think this is the line where it, it, it gets to perfect movies. I think A Quiet Place is a perfect movie. I don't think... No, I gotta ask you. Yep. Um, I haven't seen Bird Box, have you? I did, yes. Uh, was it what people were saying, which was basically A Quiet Place with sight instead of sound? Not really. Like, like, were were there similarities there? There are definitely similarities, but I mean, the just the basic idea, like it, it is. I think a great idea in that, like, you know, um, seeing the monsters or seeing whatever is what kills you. So you have to be blindfolded, and then you try and live in this world blindfolded. I I, I think it's a cool idea. Yeah, but. Um, one second. I'm going to look at my rankings for the year. I have Bird Box at number 35. Okay. Uh, I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Okay, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, it is. Like, I, I thought it was a, a good movie. I'd watch it again, for sure. Um, okay. And, like, I usually am not a Sandra Bullock fan, but she was pretty good in that movie. Uh, nice. Cast really helped. This, like, basically doing a mini review of a movie that's not on neither of our lists here, but uh, John Malkovich is fun. He's in the movie. Uh, I think his name is Trevante Rhodes is in the movie. He's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty good movie. Um, not the best, not the worst. Pretty, pretty... I, I mean, it's in terms of horror movies, like you said earlier, could be a lot worse. Horror movies can be real shit sometimes, and Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'd recommend it. Okay. Um, but yeah, Quiet Place. <laughs> uh, I thought A Quiet Place was a perfect movie. I thought the direction, the writing, the casting, everything was absolutely spot on. The way the story plays out, the pacing of it, everything is fantastic. Uh, very emotional at times. And the fact that the movie is about being quiet, the fact that you can't really, there's not a lot of dialogue, or not a lot of loud dialogue, and they made this a very accessible, watchable movie. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Um, I feel like I had the advantage of having one of the best setups to ever watch this movie, um me and Charlotte on our honeymoon watched this movie in a cabin in the middle of the woods, which sounds like a shitty honeymoon, but it was a lot nicer than that. Uh, it was, it was a, a, more of like a cottage in the woods. Um, but still, it's yeah. a pretty perfect setting for horror oh, movies. Oh my god, yes. And we waited till the sun had gone down. It was very dark. We shut off every light in the place. There was no light for like quite a ways because we're like you know surrounded by trees and we turned on a quiet place and it was creepy 
it was emotional it was sad at times and it like for horror fans it was a lot of fun um it is an absolute shame that it didn't get nominated for more than just one technical award at the oscars um yeah because like when i watched this i thought oh we might get two best picture nominees in horror two years in a row because get out was phenomenal and got nominated i thought this would go the same route but uh was not the case no can't wait to see whatever john krasinski makes next because he is like for a directorial debut this is amazing yeah i don't think i have anything else to touch on with that one one second let me just check my notes i'm kind of talking off the cuff here um yeah no i I think it's i just think it's a horror classic i think it's a a modern day classic for sure i think we're in in sort of a uh a horror renaissance right now like we're getting more quality horror movies per year than we have in a long time fuck yeah we are and i love it yep okay uh number threes getting into our top threes my number three speaking of horror yep was Halloween. Nice. Good pick. I, like, I fucking love the Halloween franchise. Like, it's one of my favorite franchises of all time. And I, I was just so in love with this movie. Like, from start to finish, it was just so good. Um, you touched on a lot of it before, but yeah, like coming from a place of just like, it felt like I was watching a Halloween movie. It felt so like in line with the original. Yeah. And that to me was really important. Yeah. Like the trailers didn't give away too much. Like I just, I was I was never. I was on the edge of my seat the whole movie, not because I was scared, but just because I was so excited. Like I was like Marvel levels of excited during this movie. Yeah, I can imagine that. Which I mean, during a during a horror movie to be feeling like that is pretty rare. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I don't really need to say much more about Halloween because I feel like you already said most of what needed to be said about that movie. Yeah, I kind of... And we just had our little (laughs) conversation about horror renaissance. Yeah. This had, this move this year had the most, like, quality horror I've seen in a while. Um, for most of the year I had four horror films in my top ten, but then Mandy kind of slipped out on the end there um yeah if you got nothing else to say i'm gonna move on to my number three which is a bit of a left field pick yeah um and it is a movie that i haven't heard many people talk about it's called sorry to bother you um 
super fucking weird specific movie. Um, I don't even know how to really classify it. It is maybe the most original movie I've seen in years because it kind of makes up its own genre. Um, it uh, it stars Lakeith Stanfield of um, Atlanta, as I mentioned earlier. He gets a job working um, at uh, at this company where he calls and basically tries to sell things. He's a he's a telemarketer, right? Okay. And he like basically the the setup of the movie is that he gets this job and he is told by a black coworker to use his white voice and the white voices that they do are dubbed over by white comedians. Uh, huh. it, like they have David Cross and Patton Oswalt doing their white voices um, and that's the general setup of the movie but it goes like it, it is fucking wild where this movie goes um, and like it, it's a it's a first time director who up until now just made music uh, Boots Riley is the director he's a hip hop artist um, it's kind of like, I don't even know how to explain this movie. It is so, like, you have to watch it to understand what it, and you know what? Even after watching it, you're still kind of like, what did I just watch? But after watching this movie a handful of times now, like, I truly love it. And I do think that this movie is perfect in its specific way. Um, let me see. The cast is great. You got Tessa Thompson from Thor Ragnarok. Uh, Keith Stanfield. Army Hammer is phenomenal in this movie. Steven Yeun from Walking Dead. Uh, Danny Glover from fucking uh, Lethal Weapon is in this. It is a great cast. Um, I saw the director recently saying that there is not a single shot... Or, sorry, sorry there, are, there are like three frames of CGI in the whole movie. And everything else is practical effects, and when you wow. when you watch it that way, it is like holy shit that some of the practical effects that they used are amazing, um, and it has the e- easily the best twist of 2018, and I cannot spoil that in any way, but it it is fucking batshit. Uh, it's amazing. It's um technically i think the best comedy of 2018 but it's not really like a laugh out loud comedy it is at times but it's more of a i don't know i don't know how to explain it it is a new genre of film (laughs) in that like it is socially and culturally aware and it makes points about race and class and big business because i feel like the business that he's working for in this movie is um basically a stand-in for amazon and uh, okay yeah um but at the same time it is completely out there and it doesn't shy away from any weirdness at all um yeah i i don't know i don't know if this movie's for everybody but holy fuck was this movie for me huh yeah um and i could go more into it if we were going with spoilers but 
this movie cannot be spoiled. Like, it you have to experience the twist yourself because it is fucking out there. Um, yeah, that, that, sorry to bother you. Number three, and that was a very easy choice to make. Well, I guess that brings me to mind number two. Yes. Not the first... Number two... What? I was going to say, not the first time that you've talked about your number two on this show. Nope. But I'm... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Go into it. Hoop humor. Uh, Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, For number two, I said Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Nice. Yeah. 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 Like... Fuck. I can't I can't agree more with that. Like this movie was fantastic. So good, man. I'll I'll let you say your spiel because I may or may not have to also talk about it. Well, you touched on the soundtrack earlier. Yeah. And like the voice acting was fucking perfection. Yes, it absolutely was. And, like, you had, like, John Mulaney, and, like, I even like the twist that they had on most of the villains in the movie. Mm. Like, most of them were, like, this was the first time I've seen a scorpion that looked like that. Yeah. But when I seen him, I knew it was scorpion. And, like, how they did Doc Ock. Yes. Was different. But I still loved it. I mean, Green Goblin was totally different. But... Yeah. They did it in a way where, like, these are not the villains that you know, but they're still the same villains that you know. Like, they didn't change... They changed everything about the appearance and maybe, like, the genetic makeup, but nothing about the essence of the villain. Yeah. Which was great. Yeah. No, I I really don't have enough good things to say about this movie. Like I thought this movie was damn near perfect. I, like I, you and I were struggling to find even the smallest little nit to pick with this movie. Yes, actually, I had that conversation the other day. About how me and you, after... Well, you watched the movie a couple hours earlier than I did. Uh, yeah. But after I watched it, we had a big discussion. And an hour into the conversation, I finally managed to find one thing that I thought I didn't exactly love about the movie. And that was that Tombstone, the, the villain, is in the movie and they don't drop his name. Which is the fucking most minor thing ever. Yeah. And that's literally, like, the only flaw I can think of in this movie. Right? And it's barely a fucking flaw. Yeah, like I said, quite nitpicky. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to reach to find something wrong with that movie. Yeah. And when you're just, like, reaching for something like that, then you know you've got a damn good movie. If you have to dig and dig... To find it, a complaint. Exactly. Fully agree. No, that movie was so fucking good. Yep. Well, 
I think I may have pinpointed your number one. Maybe. Um, yeah? I think so. But uh, uh, I'll move on to my number two, I suppose. Um, my second favorite movie of the year uh, and my number one horror movie of the year is Hereditary. Um, which I still haven't gotten a chance to see yet, which I'm so disappointed about. You you gotta watch it. Uh, I don't recommend this movie to everybody. I definitely don't. Because um, one of the things about Hereditary that I find very impressive, uh, I'm a little bit, I don't know how to put it, I'm a little bit cold and distant when I watch movies. It takes a really special movie for me to get emotionally invested and the first time I watched Hereditary, I felt like fucking garbage throughout the whole thing. It made me sick to my stomach. It made me feel nauseous and and uh, claustrophobic. It just it 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 really makes you feel awful, uncomfortable. Yeah, it really does because the movie is. Um, sort of a family drama hidden in a horror movie. I won't get into any spoilers, but there's a broken family for whatever reason, and it's broken because of and in spite of this uh, horrific uh, event that is happening to them. And, my God, it is, like... Hold on, I gotta get my notes, because there's just so much... I Like, th- this movie is something of its own um definitely honestly in my opinion the most visceral reaction i've ever had in my life to a movie um and it holds up on rewatching. it makes you it really makes you like like it does scare you it scared me at times but it's less of a scary feeling for most of it and more of a like a dread just this impending heavy dread uh terrifying to watch the single best acting in any movie that I've seen this year um, hands down Tony Collette as the the main character in this movie she is amazing it's some of the best acting I've seen in a horror movie period um, and I forget the actor's name who played her son but he does an excellent job as well I, um, is that the kid that was in Jumanji I might have been. I think it's. Uh, I think his last name is like Wolf or something. Maybe I can't remember, but he's really good in this movie. Um, and I have come to the conclusion that I think Hereditary, and this is bold, is the modern day equivalent to The Exorcist. I heard other people say that as well. Yeah, I. It makes a lot of sense. Like in the same way that The Exorcist got all these reactions out of people and all the like people getting sick in the theater and having to leave and all this i feel like hereditary does that to a modern audience um i i both can't recommend this movie enough and also can't state enough how like if if you (laughs) I don't know if you get highly anxious or something like like I I don't know maybe this movie is not for you, um, maybe if if you are uh, if you don't want to feel that way 
then maybe stay away from this movie. Um, and I don't know. I, I can't I can't put a finger on exactly like I just I kind of looked at the movies that I watched this year, and some of them I thought were really good, but they didn't make me feel anything. I I was kind of just eh, it, it's there. It was you know it was a fun movie. Like like it, for example, Ant Man and the Wasp. I thought was a great superhero movie. It had some good jokes. It, it it was probably one of the the better made Marvel movies that I've seen, but it didn't make me feel a damn thing. It like after watching it, I I I didn't really feel much, and so that movie didn't really come close to my list. Um just for example, there were a lot of movies like that, but you know. Yeah. So yeah, Hereditary is my number 2. And now we are into the number one movies of the year, at least as voted by us, two guys who just kind of like movies. I'm curious, uh, what did you think was my uh, number one? Um, unless I'm forgetting and you already said this, I was going to say Avengers Infinity War? Yes, sir. Okay, okay. Because uh, I, I forgot, I didn't write down what you had said already, and I thought, I don't think he said that, so I couldn't imagine it not making your list. I've watched this movie more times this year than I've watched any other movie. Ever? Like, not ever, but <laughs> okay. just as for 2018, yeah. I've seen Avengers Infinity War more than I've seen any other film. And that... And, like... Especially now that it's on Netflix, oh, like, yeah. if I just want something to turn on for background noise while I'm like cleaning the kitchen or doing dishes, I pop on Infinity War. Yeah. And when I'm done with the dishes, I'll turn off Infinity War, and the next time I'm doing the dishes, I'll just pick it back up where I left off. Like, I've probably watched Infinity War like 17, 18 times that I can, like, that's me lowballing the number of times I've watched this movie. Yeah. I saw it three times in theaters. Oh, nice. Like, I love this movie. I cry, I think I cried, like, five times the first time I watched it. Well, I can think of one specific point in which everybody has to cry. Yeah. Um... We won't get into the spoilers, but it's been memed quite a bit, so it might not be a spoiler at this point, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I touched on it earlier, but the movie was like a spectacle in in the truest sense of the word. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I got to see it in a theater, because I feel like a theater is where it was meant to, wa- to be watched. Yeah, I think so. Like, it's meant for that big screen, right? Um, there was something you said that I was going to touch on. Oh, yeah, the way you're talking about uh, you're re-watching and just, like, in the background or whatever, that's kind of what Black Panther has become for me. Um, I have a regular rotation of Netflix movies 
to turn on when I need something in the background. And Black Panther has worked its way up alongside Ocean's Eleven and The Matrix as, like, just go-to background. There you go. And occasionally Fellowship of the Ring, but, you know. Uh, yeah, like, Infinity War, man. Like, it's, it's really a shame that both of us kind of felt burnt out on superhero movies the same year that, like, some of the best superhero movies ever were made. Yeah, right? Because, like, I'm just thinking, if we were in full, like, peak superhero hype, fuck, how excited would we be about these movies? Like, it would have been unbelievable. Hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, like, even talking about it right now makes me want to go watch it again. Yeah, I, I get that, for sure. I'm kind of feeling that too now. Actually, I'm wondering if maybe I should shouldn't turn it on while I'm getting supper ready. I probably will watch it. Um, I might watch it tomorrow while Emily's at work if she goes to work tomorrow. Yeah. Great movie. I just yeah. oh, it's such a perfect movie. Yeah, and like that's the thing. Um, Technically, I think I think yeah, it is perfect. It is is perfectly made. There's nothing that I think you could change about it to improve it. But I had to separate it on my list because I found it really hard to compare um, this movie versus standalone movies because it's unless you've seen every other Marvel movie a hundred times over like we have, like. It doesn't stand on its own, and yeah. it's it's I don't know it's it's a really kind of one of a kind movie. Well, for now because Endgame's coming, but you know, yeah, and that it'll be two of a kind, I, I suppose, hopefully. But even then, like man, Endgame has some big ass shoes to fill. Yep. The expectations are high, but very high. On the, on the bright side, most of those movies were filmed at the same time. Yeah. So it should feel like a continuation, like almost like the same movie. In a sense, hopefully. Hopefully. Well, if you are done, I'm going to move on to my number one. You... I I am. Ready for you to move on, yeah? Yeah. You do you know what my number one is? I feel like you probably do at this point. Not off the top of my head, no. No. Uh, you talked about it a little bit already. My number one movie for the year was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh yeah. Should have seen that coming. I've never, I've never had an easier decision in terms like long before we started this podcast. I've been doing top ten lists of my movies every year. And this is one of the easiest calls ever for me. Uh, I haven't gotten the chance to rewatch it because it's so new. Because like, like, like unlike the other movies on this list, I've rewatched most of them quite a few times. Um, I've got a list of things to mention about this movie. Hold on. Uh, it, the references, the little references for for fans, were amazing. Um, 
just I, I haven't read into any. I just just from watching, the the comics code at the beginning credits was amazing. I love that. Um, the fact that the Peter Parker in this movie uh, was very very clearly the same Peter Parker from the Sam Raimi movies. Um, yeah. The post credit scene was maybe the best best post credit scene ever. <laughs> I loved it so much, um, and I noticed in in uh, a phone like phone contacts, Brian Michael Bendis was listed as a phone contact, and Brian Michael Bendis was the creator of the character Miles Morales, which I thought was really yeah. cool. And the fact that at one point you see the episode of Community on a TV screen where Donald Glover was wearing a Spider-Man costume. They actually threw that in. Like, a character is watching that show. and They had so many nods in that movie. Oh my god, it's unreal. Um, the voice cast was amazing, like you said. Brian Tyree Henry, Shameik Moore, uh, Jake Johnson was great, John Mulaney, Nicolas Cage was funny. Um, Haley Steinfeld, like the whole cast was awesome. The the tribute that they paid to Stan Lee, as well as uh, Steve Ditko, was touching. And yep. the Stan Lee cameo almost broke my fucking heart. Um, let's see. Easily, uh, we. I don't think you said this, but we've definitely said this in conversation. This is easily the best Spider-Man movie to date. Oh yeah, like it's not. I, it's not even close. I definitely posted that on. Okay. Um, Facebook. It's it's not even close, which is saying something because Home Homecoming was amazing, and we agree that that's number two. But like, there's a big gap in my in my opinion between yep. those two. Uh, let me see. The animation was absolutely groundbreaking, the way that they animated this movie. And I think you said in a conversation about how they combined different art styles and made it work. Yeah, exactly. It was like the cartoony, like almost Looney Tunes style of um, Spider-Ham. Yeah. With anime and just like the rest of the animation styles in the movie. It was just flawless yeah and i read a little bit into the how they went about this and it is amazing it sounds crazy that they even came up with it like um they had artists like physically hand paint over computer generated shots to get some of those scenes and they had them do that over frame by frame and it works so well. Uh, the art style is amazing. It is, uh, not to overuse the term, but it is a spectacle, much like Infinity War, just in its own way. Um, it's exciting. It was upbeat. It's very funny. Like, I was laughing the whole time. Um, honestly, one of the best movie theater experiences I've had in my whole life. I was just on the edge of my seat just having a fucking blast from start to finish 
Uh, let me see. Oh yeah, and they made the motive behind the villain actually compelling and believable. Like when when they uh, get into why the main villain is doing what they're doing, it makes sense and you understand why. Yeah. Um, let me see. The humor was not too topical. It felt relevant, but it feels like it's going to age really well. Like the jokes were, there was a lot of physical humor and stuff like that. The kind of timeless humor that works. Um, I think, okay, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, on closing, I think it is the closest we've ever gotten to a comic book brought to life on screen. Uh, just in the way it looks, the way it feels. You can almost feel the pages turning. It, It is really, really well done. Um, oh my god, yes. And I think that was intentional. I think that was something they were trying to do in the creation of the Eric Styles. Um, I think it... Like, I know it's early to call, and I've only seen it once, but I think this might be one of the best superhero movies they've ever made. I agree. I, I, I think... Yeah, I really do. I really think it, it is up there. Um, and, like, I, it, I know it's just because it's fresh, but it also really does stand up. And I'm just thinking about some of my favorite superhero movies ever. Like, for me, Dark Knight, Guardians of the Galaxy. See, these are some of my favorites. And I'm just trying to, to think of an argument where I think either of those is better than Into the Spider-Verse and it's not coming to me. Right? It's hard. So yeah. Um, good lists. Um, that's our top 10 movies of 2018. How many? How much yeah. crossover did we have? We had... Not a lot. One, two, three, four, I think. Infinity War, Halloween, A Quiet Place, and Into the Spider-Verse? I have one honorable mention to okay. uh, ask you if you saw. Okay. Did you see the movie Searching? I didn't get around to Searching. John Cho. I've heard good things, and I have not got around to that one. That was a good movie. Um, not sure how that will fare over time, because, I mean, well, yeah, the way it was shot, but I thought it was... A great movie. I've heard really good things about the movie, and I've been meaning to get around to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess that is uh, a wrap on our season three premiere. One of the longest episodes we've done in a while, but I'm glad we set enough time aside to actually uh, talk about everything we wanted to talk about here. Yeah, for sure. Like, this could not have been a quick episode. It, it wouldn't have been... No. It wouldn't have worked. Not at all. So, uh, on our next episode, we're going to be diving into the stuff we're excited for in 2019. And maybe we'll actually get around to some news and stuff like that. Because there's some, there's some recent stuff in the news that we should get around to talking about. Um, and maybe we'll also... Uh, review a few things that we've seen in the the first little bit of 2019 so far. Yeah. 
yeah um, had to get this one out of the way I had to punch this one out and um, it's good to be back uh, again um, hopefully we'll maintain uh, uh, some semblance of a schedule in 2019 but if history is anything then probably not <laughs> well I mean this one was hard to schedule because we had to find a day where we both had enough time to yeah. be able to plug away at it well yeah exactly it's not something we could punch out in like an hour and a half or something exactly which is our, our standard I suppose this one I mean uh, it looks like it's well over two and a half hours at this point so you know we have been on Skype right now for three hours exactly oh I don't know how much you're gonna get uh, caught out of that when I edit it um, and I don't know it's well, still yeah I don't know when I'll get this up I'm gonna try and get this up uh, at least within the first couple of days of February or something like that um, yeah and I don't know I don't think I have much else to say I feel like I'm about talked out at this point yeah I think I am as well I think I've, I think I've reached my cap um, so thanks for tuning in thanks for uh, giving this a listen as always, you can check out other episodes of Jedi Dropouts, Final Form, uh, Hyper Battle, any other little spinoffs over at www.jedidropouts.podbean.com or wherever you check out your podcasts. Um, stay tuned. Follow us on social media and all that stuff. we got a lot of cool, fun stuff coming for 2019. Probably going to branch out a little bit. Maybe some collaborations and such. Um... Yeah, and uh, as always, thanks for dropping by. And something, something, drop out. Later. Peace. This has been a Jedi Dropouts production.